Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Good morning. Uh, My name is Rachel Marble, and I have the privilege of serving this community on the oversight team. Um, If you're new with us, uh, the oversight team uh, has the opportunity to share once a year, and uh, this is my Sunday. Um, So also just know that if you're new, you never have to hear from me again. So if you don't like it, um, please come back. Um, uh, So this is my third and final opportunity to share with you all in this context. And honestly, if you were here in 2021, um, some of this is going to sound familiar. First, a little about me. I live uh, way out in Forest Grove, which is basically the Oregon coast, with my wife, Kylie, and our daughter, Harriet. Uh, We live in a 100-year-old house with two roommates, our cat, Iggy, and our doodle, Tallulah. Uh, She's on the right. Um, If you have a good memory and you were paying attention the last two years, um, you would remember I said two doodles in the last two years. Henry on the left um, isn't with us anymore, but I assure you he is living his best life as a snowboard buddy in his new family. I love a good DIY project, but I'm great at starting things and less great at finishing them. Much to my wife's dismay, that often results in uh, half-finished projects lingering around for much longer than I said they would. I'm a city planner by day and a romance novel enthusiast by night. And by enthusiast, I mean that I've read 229 of them since last June. Uh, And no, I'm not on Goodreads, nor will I ever be. Um, Kylie and I found Pearl in 2017. I had just moved to Portland, uh, just come out, and we just started dating. We met at a summer camp in Wisconsin that's owned by Wheaton College. Uh, And again, if you want to hear more about that uh, fortunate series of events, go back to August 2021 in the podcast and listen to my first reflection. On Friday, the last day in Pride Month, the Supreme Court ruled that it was okay for a web designer in Colorado to discriminate against LGBTQ folks by refusing to create a wedding website for them. I'm guessing she felt pretty confident to do that since it was only five years ago in the same state that the Supreme Court ruled that a bakery could refuse to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. These court cases obviously aren't unique in that over the last few years, we've seen plenty more than this in terms of cases and legislation which limit or invalidate the rights of queer people uh, and trans folks across America. However, I think to me the notable fact in both of these cases is that these folks were validating their right to discriminate with religious views, aka can't bake a cake for a gay wedding because I don't believe God's okay with it. It's people with the same religion as me. I'm a Christian. 
they are Christians, but somehow they're out there going all the way to the Supreme Court to argue their right to publicly refuse a basic commercial activity like baking me a cake. I have a little side hustle, as people do these days. Uh, I'm a baker. My business, Henry and Lou, is a small, low-key emphasis uh, cupcake operation. I've been open for business for about two years, and in that time, no one has asked me my opinion on the event they're celebrating with cupcakes. No one has asked to consider my values or beliefs or whether or not my cupcakes would be making a statement wherever they're being eaten. They just tell me what flavor they want, and then they pick them up. Kylie and I got married, ago, uh, married five years ago this August. Um, this is a picture of our wedding day, and I'm going to leave this up for the rest of the time so you have something to look at instead of me. <laughs> uh, honestly, it was one of the best days of my life. It was beautiful and fun, and there's just something really magical about 200 folks sitting there while you're in an intimate moment up front professing your love and commitment to your life partner, obviously while in a fabulous dress. There are a million things that go into planning a wedding. And if you've never planned a gay one, I'll tell you, the wedding industry just isn't made for us. At each turn, there was over-explaining and small things that were just annoying or frustrating. Early on, I went into David's Bridal to try on a few dresses with friends, and they handed me a form to fill out. The form asked for the groom info, for a chance to win a free tuxedo rental. And I just declined and said, oh, well, I'm marrying a woman, and she's planning to wear a jumpsuit. <laughs> they said, oh, well, no worries. Just go ahead and fill out the form with your info. Casual. Not long after, Kylie started getting catalogs and mailers from Men's Warehouse. When I finally found a venue we really liked, it looked perfect for our day. I sent them an email wanting to meet them and come see it. It's called Camp Turnaround. It's out in Gales Creek in the forest next to a river. It's beautiful. They emailed me back right away asking when we wanted to come take a look at it. And I read through their email all the way to the signature line at the bottom. It read Camp Turnaround. And then beneath that, Morrison Acres Christian Conference Center. What? That wasn't on the website. Having a mini panic attack, I typed up a long-winded email explaining, hey, I'm marrying a woman, and I just want to make sure we're going to be welcome there. They responded and said, well, we've never hosted a same-sex wedding before, but we're happy to have you. A large part of planning weddings is once you finally get the invitations sent out, harassing people into actually completing their RSVP. <laughs> so you know how many tables and chairs you should have, or how many people you'll need to feed. The thing with a queer wedding, especially when your family is largely Christian, and you went to a Christian college like Kylie, is that you're not just accounting for people who can't make it because they're not available, or it's too far to travel. You're accounting for people who RSVP know because they think your marriage is a sin, and they can't come because what will other people think if they attend a gay wedding? That they're okay with it? And it's not just clicking no on the online RSVP form. 
That no often was followed up with a phone call or a text explanation to ensure we knew where they stood. It's not that I don't want to be there to support you. It's that I can't be there to support what you're doing. Or it was, well, I can sit in the crowd, but I can't stand up there with you as a bridesmaid because that isn't something you should do if you don't believe the marriage is right. The morning of my wedding, I woke up to a long text, a book, from someone I hadn't talked to in years, letting me know that it wasn't too late to walk away, that I was being deceived by the enemy and eternal damnation was headed my way. I'll skip back a sentence where I said, I hadn't talked to this person in years, and she wasn't even invited to the wedding. <laughs> it doesn't end when you get married, though. Those people pop up every now and then, wanting to make sure you know they haven't changed their mind. Silence is not acceptance, as if we need a reminder on where they stand. I think the problem is, though, when people go to great lengths to ensure Others know where they stand, particularly as it pertains to others' lives or actions and not their own. They're focusing on only that. They're so focused on where they stand that they're not even looking at who is standing next to them. They see a gay wedding cake or a queer wedding website and not just two people who love each other enough to commit the rest of their lives to one another. I think I missed the part of the Bible where God granted the authority of eternal damnation to us humans. And for some reason, that's the chapter a lot of Christians are stuck in. I think they missed the plot twist in chapter 40, where Jesus sets loose a much more compelling story than following the rules, making sacrifices, and hoping you don't get struck down when you enter the temple. I spent a lot of years in faith settings ruled by doctrine, as I'm sure many of you did. Settings where I went to church and I was told a certain way to act or be. And more often than not, I left feeling inadequate. Feeling like who I was wasn't who God wanted me to be. Churches where there was a mold and you should strive to fit into that and it will lead you to the kingdom of heaven. That line of thinking where you are the clay and the church is the mold doesn't leave any room for things that are other. It says, this is who you should be and how you should think. And it gives you the authority to tell others that they don't fit the mold and should change. Because what good is it to spread the good news if people don't know the rules? At Pearl Church, Rather than doctrine insisting on teachings central to a particular expression of Christian faith, we embrace values embodied in the life of Jesus. Our emphasis on values, as opposed to teachings, grounds our community in Jesus' essence and character. Equity, gratitude, inclusion, integration, peace, renewal, and transformation. Rather than dogma insisting on the affirmation of particular beliefs in order to be Christian, we cultivate rhythms 
that accord with Jesus' ancient following to uh, ancient invitation to follow in his way of being. We acknowledge that we are being shaped by a sacred story. We share together at a common table and ultimately are being animated by divine love. If those rhythms and values were animating Christian faith today and not doctrine insisting on violence, condemnation, and judgment, there wouldn't be room for people to refuse to bake wedding cakes for queer people or voice that their wedding is an unholy union. Christians would be free to just do what Jesus said, to love their Lord, the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and to love their neighbors as themselves. So back to the wedding theme. Let me tell you how us sharing a table animated by divine love showed up at our wedding. We had family members go to bat for us without us even knowing, encouraging other family members to just show up. We had Dan and Sherry throw us a magical rooftop rehearsal dinner, stepping in to fill a gap that parents would normally be in. We had friends washing dishes and decorating for hours and creating beautiful floral crowns for us to wear. Kylie's great aunts rolled up with baked goods for our dessert table. We had siblings stand in to walk us down the aisle. And in the years that followed, we had friends with the courage to admit that they were wrong and they should have loved us better in the moment. Pearl Church, what I want for us as a community is to walk away from harmful theology and doctrine that prevents us from loving one another as we are. I want us to lean into Jesus' call to follow his way of being, to truly know and understand that it is not judgment and fear that animate our lives. It's not the threat of hell that fills seats on Sundays. It's the promise of divine love. Will you pray with me? Father, this day and each day after, I pray that you would teach us to love you more and teach us to love one another more. Amen. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.